I'm Tom Corbin. I'm a research associate with the Foreign Policy and Defense Program at the US Study Center at Sydney University. And I'm Alexander Hind, a PhD candidate and research associate at the University of New South Wales in Sydney. So we're speaking shortly after the presidential election in South Korea, which saw the election of a conservative candidate, Yoon Suk-yeol. President-elect Yoon's renewed emphasis on bolstering South Korea's national defense should be seen in the context of record spending under President Moon Jae-in over the last five years. And in that context, we reckon it's worth reflecting in broad strokes on South Korea's naval modernization and its evolving ideas about how to use these capabilities because the Navy is one of Korea's more understated yet increasingly important assets, both on and off the peninsula. So it's a good idea to talk first about the ways that the Moon administration has sustained and expanded South Korea's post-Cold War naval modernization through several major policies and documents. These include Defense Reform 2.0, which demonstrated a commitment to defense budget increases of around 7% year on year, and also the 2019 Midterm Defense Plan, which introduced proposals for new potential platforms such as a light aircraft carrier and arsenal ships alongside existing surface and submarine modernization programs. So one of the big questions to ask then is why is South Korea pursuing these capabilities? If we look first in the Northeast Asia region, we can see that South Korea is competing with other neighboring militaries in terms of its conventional capabilities at the same time as it responds to North Korea's nuclear and ballistic missile programs. South Korea also has a range of territorial maritime disputes with neighboring countries, as well as overlapping ADIZs, which have contributed to repeated clashes around the peninsula in recent years. And South Korea also desires greater autonomy in terms of movement towards wartime OPCON transfer, eliminating limits on South Korean missile capabilities, and taking primary responsibility for its own maritime security. At the same time, Away from the peninsula, South Korea's blue water naval vision for a wider regional or global maritime security role can be seen with a set of accompanying interests, such as you know, maritime shipping lanes, the protection of trade and energy security from piracy and other threats, evacuations from war zones and naval diplomacy, including mechanisms like port visits, joint maritime exercises and uh, humanitarian aid and disaster relief. But of course, South Korea's primary interests continue to be those closer to home. In reality, though, there is a lot that the platforms it invested in can do in terms of playing a role in both peninsula and blue water naval ambitions. Right. So it's probably worth briefly canvassing what some of those capabilities are. So let's start with South Korea's submarine program. Uh, it's investing in at least nine new submarines powered by sophisticated air independent propulsion technology, which has been produced in South Korea. And this greatly improves the stealth speed and endurance of South Korea's undersea capabilities. Uh, couple that with what we saw in September last year with the launching of a submarine launched ballistic missile for the first time. Uh, and this makes South Korea the first state without nuclear weapons to field conventionally powered ballistic missile submarines. You've also seen some pretty major upgrades to the service fleet over the last couple of years. So in December, the Navy completed upgrades to three of its older destroyers to enhance their anti-submarine warfare capabilities. Uh, but it's also acquiring at least three newer destroyers, all of which will be equipped with the Aegis ballistic missile defense system, towed sonar arrays, and things like supersonic anti-ship missiles. And these are the sorts of the developments that play a big part in the transformation of the ROK Navy from a primarily coastal to a more blue water capable force. It's worth noting as well, I think, that South Korea is also bolstering its maritime aviation. So the big ticket item here is the procurement of six long-range PA Poseidon aircraft from the United States. These are extremely capable anti-submarine warfare and maritime domain awareness platforms, 
And the first one was recently delivered to South Korea. There, it's probably worth touching on some of the Navy projects you mentioned before, Alexander, uh, specifically the Arsenal ships. Um, there hasn't really been a lot of progress on these since they were first announced in 2019. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, the Navy still has plans to deploy at least three of these by the end of the decade. And these will be capable of carrying at least 80 cruise missiles each. The other asset that's probably worth touching on is the light carrier. Air, the light carrier. Um, in theory, this will provide Korea with a maritime-based air power capability and really improve its capacity for naval power projection. But there's still some disagreements over the strategic and operational rationale for this capability, both in Korea and in the wider region. Yes, so for South Korea, I guess a lot of this naval modernization is as much a signifier of South Korea's changing status in the region as it is an indication of real strategic and operational needs. You know, we should also see this modernization as mattering for other states in the region because these investments fundamentally make South Korea uh, at the same time a more formidable potential opponent and a more attractive partner for naval cooperation and regional balancing. And finally, I wanted to touch on some of the challenges that President-elect Yoon will encounter um, as he takes office this May. So first, you know, in terms of budget trade-offs, it's worth noting that at least until 2024, South Korea's National Assembly is controlled by the Minju Party, who are fundamentally opposed to Yoon. So Yoon will have to work in a kind of bipartisan way. And second, it's not yet clear how Yoon and his team conceives of the role of South Korean naval power in the region. You know, during the election campaign, Yoon made clear his position on the importance of the US and the Quad, North Korea and Japan. But there is much more work to be done still in fleshing out his approach to the broader region. 